Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hold on to your butt. Come on, sucker. Let's get it on. Oh, you want to fight? You want to fight? I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. You don't know anybody named Iris? I don't know nobody named Iris. Can I have a piece of toast? I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Western demands. How could you do this to me? Blit, I want to know. Why did you do that? What you feel only matters to you. Step back for one minute and look at the big picture. And that's all. No, no, not for the real fire. The often bond a family that very few can understand. Help me. Help you. <laughs> I don't do drugs. Or Whatever Movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I am your co-host, Iris, who is undoubtedly unqualified to speak about this movie, unlike my brother, Wesley. (laughs) And today we're talking about Marvel's Black Widow. Black Widow. Available on Disney Plus. And in theaters. Ordinarily, I would have hit up IMAX for this one, but we had a garage sale that we had to do. So are you qualified to speak to Black Widow? I have seen every Marvel movie thus far. Black Widow is the second one that I did not see in the theater after Ant-Man, but I'm as qualified as a movie fan can be. Let me tell you, Black Widow is steeped in lore. It's drowning in comics and history and legend. It is also really complicated because this takes place in the middle of movies that happened like five years ago. What does it mean exactly for this story to exist between the stories depicted in Civil War and Infinity War? Well, this is maybe the most complicated dance on these interconnected threads, which is a good Black Widow metaphor. Because, you know, like any series, they do prequels and sequels and the timeline jumps around and you have Captain Marvel that happened like in the 90s. But Black Widow has preceding and proceeding lore. So it's very complicated. Did you understand it? I understood as much as I cared to understand. You kind of qualified your position by saying you're a movie lover, but you're not like a Marvel nerd. I don't know that that's possible. I mean, some of these characters were introduced in 1983 and stuff. And of course, some of these wildly predate that. But the character of Melina showed up in the comics 30 plus years ago, 40 years ago. Is this Rachel Weiss's introduction to the Marvers? Rachel Weiss. Yep. But not David Harbour. I mean, he is Hellboy, which he was Hellboy, which I guess is Marvel. But so few people saw the Hellboy reboot remake that I'm not sure that it matters. Okay. There have been a couple people in the MCU who have been reused because their former movies aren't considered part of the canon of the modern Marvel Cinematic Universe. Did you know that Chris Evans, Captain America, 
was one of the Fantastic Four. Not the one that failed recently by the director of Capone, but rather the shiny Jessica Alba 2000s bright blue suits one. Before Iron Man, anything else is like fledgling Marvel, struggling to stay alive one movie at a time. Basically what DC is doing now. So Iron Man, that basically kicked off the Marvel Universe, 2008. And since then, it's just been like a Lucas-filmed-style flood of Marvel movies, and they're all kind of interconnected and, and play off each other? Not kind of. Meticulously interconnected. Even if you don't get the thrust, Marvel's definitely got it down. There's a gigantic board with thread and like yarn all over it connecting all this stuff. It is extremely complex because they are working with decades and decades and decades of Marvel history. This movie's doing wildly well. It's like the probably the biggest blockbuster since coronavirus. Big, big money for not only in the theater and overseas, but on video on demand. And I think people are anxious for a Scarlett Johansson-led Black Widow movie. And so this is her last turn as Black Widow. And this had been gestating for quite a long time. What do you mean her definitively her last turn? She's not going to reappear as Black Widow? I don't believe so. Why? Go out with a bang? Or is it because she's dead? You, how, how do you? You don't know that she's dead. Yelena visits her grave at the end of Black Widow. How do you know anything about this? I watched the movie. Which movie? This movie? Did you see in Avengers or anything? <laughs> Most of them. But I... I kind of take them at face value. It, it is pretty deep, you know, but the origin stories for the three primaries were what we got before the Avengers. And then we got some sequels to those. And then Captain Marvel got in a, a movie. But Black Widow of the primary cast is the retroactive movie because we're like, oh, the dudes got movies, the important ones anyway. Where is Black Widow's origin story? So they found a place to nestle it filling in the gaps of her life. The Sokovia Accords, all these countries, like 120 or something countries banded together and decided that the Avengers could no longer be a private enterprise. They have to be controlled or governed because bad things start happening and people start dying and cities get raised to the ground. So the Avengers acting of their own accord were kind of war criminals to an extent. So they're all being hunted down, which is what is leading uh, General Ross to try to apprehend Black Widow at the top of this movie. Oh, so when they're invading that that building, but she's already on the ferry steamer thing? Right. Was she going to get taken right then and there? No way. She was never there. She was, certainly wasn't going to get taken, but you didn't know that she was not in the building. Sure I did. I knew it. Oh, Kelly knew okay. it. Everybody knew it. We knew it just oh. as much as we knew that when she shows up, she has the tiresome fight with her sister, and then they're going to get all tired and be like, so you want some tea or something? I got some pizza rolls. It's just like we're doing the thing. <laughs> yeah, why do they do that? Seriously. It's the Ford versus Ferrari fight, maybe to establish Yelena's skills, because we've certainly seen Black Widow throw down. But really, we're going to do the extended choreographed fight for them to just give it up and hang out. It's like they have weird sexual tension, not necessarily with each other, but like how dudes need to expend a whole bunch of testosterone before they can even like relate to one another. Uh, <laughs> I guess so. They have to fight it all out first before they can have a civil conversation. Yeah. Okay, so then lots of places to go here. Let's start at the top. First off, has anybody ever who was raised in Ohio stayed in Ohio? <laughs> Nobody stays in Ohio. Everyone gets out one way or another. Yeah, Hopper was so sick of Ohio that he went to Russia again. Hopper goes to Russia a lot. <laughs> um, 
So we watched Black Widow at night, but the day before, Brian took the family to see his old neighborhood, parked the car and like walked in the burbs and walked to his local park and stuff like that and then came home. And then we watched Black Widow and like the opening scene where she's riding down the street, he's like, doesn't that look familiar? (laughs) And I was like, yeah. He's like, that kind of looks like here. And then Bam! Ohio. Ohio. 1994. <laughs> and I was like, yep, that's what it looks like. I mean, idyllic, right? That's the idea that they were trying to underscore that she had this idyllic life, even though the Natasha character was aware of her status or her family's status as spies. Because you can see the looks when Hopper tells Rachel Weiss that they got to go. And she's like, I don't want to go. And remember that thing we said we might have to pick up and leave? So they're Russian spies, right? And yeah, they were rushing out of there. And they're, wow. And they have perfect American accents. I don't know about Midwestern accents, but they've got perfect American English accents. And then suddenly when they go back to Russia, they revert to these very heavy Russian accents And also broken English. Did you notice this? I didn't notice the broken English. I, of course, noted the accents because he's saying that at the airport when they're in Cuba, Cuba. But why he persists, I'm not sure. Why Yelena, I guess, was young enough that she would adopt this Russian accent. But we've seen Natasha for so long now, for over 10 years, that she just talks the way she talks. Um, I don't know if you know, but Elizabeth Olsen, the Scarlet Witch in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, she came on the scene in Avengers Age of Ultron, and she was super, like, super Russian-y. And everything she said was very heavy. And then she just kind of gave it up, and they're like, what's up with that? And they're like, well, we figured she's been in America for, like, a few years, so she lost her accent. We're just going to go with her normal voice, because now she's like, hi, I'm Scarlet Witch. You kind of sounded like Kenneth Branagh there. I was going to go with the accent up top, and it made me think of Tenet. But I don't understand the accent thing, especially the broken English. Maybe it's a maybe it's a <laughs> small picture. Maybe it's a microcosm of this entire movie and the choices that they made. You know, they're perfectly undercover, and then suddenly he's like, I am coward. And I'm like, wait, what? Did you forget the indefinite article? Yeah, maybe if you're going to, maybe you have to speak the way Russians expect you to speak <laughs> by omitting certain words. But it goes from the, we, we really start in a family quasi idyllic setting, right? She's riding her bike and all that stuff and it's, and it's all good. And then all of a sudden they have to get out of there and it very quickly becomes an action movie chase. And I was kind of encouraged because they're doing some crazy stuff and there's gunfire and... David Harbour can't seem to get inside of a plane. Right, but he's also holding off the authorities whom he knows are coming. And then leaps on the plane, also Ethan Hunt style for Mission Impossible. There were like three references. Then he's flying along, shooting from the wing of the plane. And I was like, this is awesome. (laughs) I think that was the point at which Brian also turned to me and was like, this is my favorite movie ever. That's what you said about the Tomorrow War. (laughs) And so they pull off and you're like all thrilled. And then it gets a little bit weird when they get to Cuba. And so we're all doing our thing and playing it all loud. And then Rebecca emerges from the room and is like, how far are you near you guys? And I was like, you cannot join this movie right now. And she's like, well, can I rewatch it? And we started over and I was like, okay, come sit down. So I had to watch the first 25 (laughs) minutes again, which ordinarily wouldn't have been terrible. And then after they get to Cuba and everything devolves, then they play seven minutes of that terrible Nirvana cover to start the movie. I mean, there were mulattoes and albinos and mosquitoes and libidos. And I was like, this is 
terrible. And I, it was making me angry. And then Rebecca showed up and I had to watch that and listen to that entire song again. So I'm never watching the beginning of this movie again. They used it in The Big Short. They also used it briefly in Moulin Rouge. And it was the worst part of that movie. So you watched the you watched the first 20 or 30 minutes twice. And did you pick up anything new along the way? I did. I, I caught a couple of things about how her mom was coaching her through pulling back the plane and the looks of acknowledgement from Natasha that I missed the first time. Like she's aware, even if her sister's not, of what's happening to some extent. A lot of pseudoscience up top that I think made things confusing for me. Like what? Well, I mean, kind of pseudoscience throughout. Yeah, I guess you're right. It was the is the initial pseudoscience pseudoscience with the um, subjugation antidote. Yeah. So you and I are going to serve purposes in this discussion. I'm going to help you out with any Marvel stuff you need to you need help with and everything else plot wise for this movie. You're going to have to help me because I was like, I don't know. There's a serum or whatever. <laughs> She's bumping her head. <laughs> severing the nerve like he's in prison but the mom isn't i was tracking the plot because that was the only thing i could track like i said i have to take these movies at face value but i'm a little bit worried because there have been movies that i've given unfavorable assessments of and yesterday i was pretty agitated i was kind of in a bad mood going into black widow and so i to an extent welcomed the reset of the first part where i regarded it more critically i was able to kind of relax and not have to try to follow it for the purposes of this review but after that when it really got into the movie i had a hard time caring because i thought the setup was great and then it devolved to an extent and i thought that hopper's character setup was really good and I expected great things from the Scarlet Pimpernel. And he was going to like... Scarlet what? Oh, the, <laughs> the Red Guardian? Yeah. He chucked that thing out of the way to clear the path for the plane. Yeah. And everybody was like, that's not normal. He's a superhero, right? <laughs> He's a super serum Captain America strength. And he talks about Captain America and this legendary rivalry because the... Right. Red Guardian and Captain America apparently have a long history of arch enemyness. Co-equal competition. And I was like, this is going to be cool. And the prison scene to an extent was cool, but he never did anything. He had a moment where he fought with the Taskmaster, which by the way is what that villain is called, because the Taskmaster can adopt. Well, because the widows have to call. They were like, permission to activate Taskmaster or something like that. Right. And then that's when the other widow was like, smile. And I was like, what is going on? So he chuckled a bunch and seemed scary in the prison and had tattoos in his little hopper belly. But other than fighting with the taskmaster for a few minutes to keep her busy, he didn't do anything. And likewise, Melina, not to be confused with Melania, was a widow. She was trained and she had all this fight knowledge and she was instructing Natasha how to do the plane and she speaks 25 languages and blah, 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 blah. Did she ever lift a finger? Did she ever do more than put on the suit? Because I'm trying to well, recall. She... Honestly, this movie is kind of a haze because, like I said, I was in a really bad mood. But I feel mm -hmm. like these characters were set up, at least the Hopper character was set up so well, never did anything. Melina did less than... She raised um, some pigs. Then she... David Harbour. But she was a scientist and she was Drakov's, not right hand, but she worked closely with Drakov. And um, they used the Red Room location as the means to reuniting the family, right? So Yelena gets the antidote to Natasha and then 
they together get the Red Guardian, thinking that he knows the location of the Red Room. But then he simply points them to Melina. And then Melina actually gets them to the Red Room and gets them access to Dracoff through her connection with him. But So she doesn't really have any great action scenes, but she's integral to connecting them, but also the misdirect where she's like, you think that she's turned on, on her family or her, you know, pseudo family. But in actuality, she, you know, understands that the psychological manipulation and everything that the widows have experienced chemically or psychologically is wrong. I'm not sure when exactly Melina has her turn, but she at some point Natasha convinces her. So for all intents and purposes, Melina's superpower in this movie is knowing looks. Well, that's kind of Rachel Weiss in general, right? I guess. So let's move backwards a little bit. Number one, this is actually number two, but we're treating it as number one. They're in the helicopter and he says, we don't have the gas. She says, we don't have the gas to get to St. Petersburg. And he's like, we have all the gas. (laughs) And then they crash and walk like a quarter of a mile to Melina's house. Was that intentional? Did they happen to crash right where she lived? Yeah, they basically got in within proximity outside of St. Petersburg. Okay. Whatever. Otherwise, Yelena would have put up more of a fight to be like, yeah, we're not really going to make it. And so all of Black Widow is a giant, elaborate, very carefully and deliberately placed movie. It is Black Widow in a prison of time and space and... Marvel is the helicopter coming in to rescue this character and bring it to its own solo prominence. Red Red Dude is in prison and they're going to get him because they need him to further the plot. But boy, does nobody have a plan for the most poorly executed helicopter prison break of all time. They're like, we're going to get him out. And they show up and they're like, hey, I know you're being chased by everyone. Come up to the, we can't pick you up down there. Come up to the top level. And he's like, eh, eh, eh. and like jumping and, and trying to climb and stuff. And they're hovering for like 10 minutes. They don't drop a line. There's no plan how they're going to get him out of there. They just hover that helicopter over the prison long enough to start an avalanche, which wasn't going to take out the scaffolding. He almost got like snow dusted to death and she swoops down. Down at the last minute and they're like how are we going to get him out and i don't know just hover here for a bit he'll fi- he'll figure something out they were doing the best that they could with the machinery and equipment they were given you know her fixer guy who i was convinced was bad and didn't end up being bad in the end uh you know could only get what he could get even though he ends the movie with a harrier or like a supercharged harrier also not just a random dude He got his own movie poster, and he's a character, he's the son of the person who was working for Michael Keaton's Pigeon, or what was his name? The Vulture in Spider-Man. And so now he's just like a fixer for superheroes? I guess, but maybe we'll see him again. He was strangely prominently placed. There was this weird tension between him and Natasha that seemed evident. You're my, what did she say? You're my only friend. And he's like, what every guy wants to hear. Uh, But there's nothing left to chance in Marvel. Everybody's connected and everyone has decades worth of history. But not Yelena. She was completely original fictional character, right? No. She has many, many years of history. She's a prominent widow in the comics. Really? And that's why it's hard for me because I know stuff. I know enough. I don't know all of it. And all of it is a lot of it. What did you think of the pheromonal block? That's got to be a new device. 
Sure. Is there an easily severable? I thought she pointed to her head and said, you have to sever the nerve. And so I thought she headbutted the desk and I was like, that's dumb. She did. But she broke her nose. So it was her nose that she broke maybe to block the smelling, but then she reset her own nose. Did she sever her nerve? Can she never smell or taste again? It doesn't matter. She doesn't have a uterus, so it's not like she's, you know, going to, well, I don't know. <laughs> There's nowhere to go with that. If you don't have a uterus, do you have a libido? Yeah, it's in the theme song. <laughs> it's in Smells Like Teen Spirit up front. Libido is in there. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, if you, how does not have, how does a hysterectomy affect your libido? I have no idea. I'm never going to get one. Like if you don't have fallopian tubes, ovaries? I don't think fallopian tubes are where it's at. It's like, ooh, you got my fallopian tubes all jangly. Well, babies definitely activate your fallopian tubes. Women are always like, ooh, my ovaries hurt. Babies have never activated my fallopian tubes. Do you think that you are attracted to Kelly's pheromones? There's a smell thing that you jibe with people or you don't. You come to like the way they smell, even if they don't like sweat and stuff, even if it's not all the time 100% pleasant. There's a groove that you get with certain people. So you believe in the pheromonal block? I believe that there is an emotional and a chemical association that has to do with love or whatever. I don't know that like sniffy time anti-murder security is maybe the best way to spend your money, but whatever. He seemed awfully confident in his pheromonal block and fell right into her little obvious trap of yep. how do I get all the information about how to deactivate your widows. And did you recognize Dostoevsky? What was his name? Drakov. Yeah. Did you recognize him? Uh, is he from Chernobyl? He was confident because Ray Winstone is eminently confident. He was French in The Departed, who's like the most confident gangster ever. <sighs> oh, man. What was French's signature insult in the bar in my favorite scene? What, do you got your period? <laughs> man, that's a Departed spoiler. He's great. Ray Winstone's been around for a hot minute. Scarlett Johansson, was she cast... The filmmakers seem like they're trying really hard to, in my lay opinion, legitimize Black Widow as a character. Was Black Widow in desperate need of this kind of um, contextualization? Was was Scarlett Johansson just cast because she's sexy? Like you know, back in the day, when was the first? When was her first appearance in the in the Marvel universe? Iron Man two, two thousand and twelve. Obviously, she's cast because she's a me meant to be the sexy super spy or whatever, but she wasn't the first choice. And she lost out on the role until the other person who was cast unfortunately had a scheduling conflict. And there's a world where the original Black Widow is married to Captain America. She was actually cast, Emily Blunt was gonna be Black Widow. Really? And then for a moment, it looked like John Krasinski was in consideration for Captain America. But this is not about Scarlett Johansson being sexy. This is about her being a prominent being actress. Being an action star. A actor, an action star in her own right who can carry a franchise. Like she's an A-list actor and she's a producer on Black Widow. And she fought and lobbied for Black Widow to have an origin story, for her to have a solo movie. It's very important that these characters... I mean, she's a major character who deserves, I guess, from the original Avengers to have her story told in full. And so she worked really hard and produced this movie and got it made. It's more of a testament to her skill as a producer 
and a heavyweight who leverages her acting ability to get what she wants in terms of her roles and her character representation. Scarlett Johansson can't hide her hips. They're just awesome. And I felt like, you know, all of these brainwashed widows could have been hypersexualized and they and they weren't. This movie felt like a legitimate attempt at humanizing Black Widow. And in my mind, Scarlett Johansson, as outrageous and silly as that sounds, like she feels legit. She's voluptuous, but that's not her fault, right? Because she's fully covered. Yelena's fully covered. They're all pretty, right? The I, You can't get like an ugly widow or whatever. But also produced by Scarlett Johansson and directed by a woman and with some deft touch in terms of representing female characters. I feel like the filmmakers did what they could, right? Without a lot of wiggle room in the Marvel Universe, without a lot of freedom working within the Disney machine. And and one of the things that they could do was to represent a Black Widow and a version of Scarlett Johansson that was just legit. So I appreciated that about Black Widow. I enjoyed it after I wasn't quite so lost. Unfortunately, this it's not a movie I want to necessarily watch more than once, but it's kind of necessary to just at least track the story and understand what's going on. You know, these movies are never bad. It's just kind of a matter of like if you want to put the time and effort into like enjoying it if you don't have a ton of context. I'm going to argue it's the most landlocked Marvel movie ever for a few different reasons, but at least they were given what autonomy they could. Scarlett Johansson very much wanted to make a movie different tonally from most of the other Marvel movies, if not all of them. And what I was waiting for was all the Marvel stuff. Very up top, very Marvel-y, very action-y, even more graphic and stabby and twisty knivey than some of the other Marvel movies. But then I was like, okay, here comes the obligatory cameo from another Avenger, from another prominent Marvel film. Because in almost every other Marvel film, it's their story, but also someone guest stars and nobody showed up. And I was like, that's weird. And so doing a little research, I guess they talked about it. And Kevin Feige, head of Marvel, was like, she doesn't really need the boys because it all is a boys club aside from her. So she doesn't need them to show up and rescue her or save her. Not even Hawkeye, who they have a lot of history in the comics. It was just her thing. Black Widow doesn't need anything but a family. And now she's got two of them. And she enjoys it for all of a couple of years. Good for you. I had a lot of problems with this movie. I went back and forth. Not ter- a terribly original villain by design because the villain does what all the other superheroes do. It just copies them. Didn't get a lot out of I was really hoping for big stuff. Out of David Harbour, he had like a brief fight scene. Nobody else did anything. For the times when they were zooming around, it was all great. But uh, it seemed like kind of Marvel recycling. And of course, you're everybody's going to come at me, bro. Like all the ladies are going to come at me because it's like, no, this is the Marvel strong woman movie. Great. They probably should have made it a little bit better because I found myself not caring, but I was also probably in a bad mood. Sure. All right. I guess. I mean, it wasn't terrible. <laughs> How's that glowing endorsement? Hmm. I've been in a generous mood lately. I can't measure everything against King Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> we keep coming back to that. Strangely, ter- <laughs> kind of bad CG, dude. Even on the small screen. Not great CG. Not great CG. You know, I expect more out of a movie that costs 200 plus million dollars. But I got what I wanted from Scarlett Johansson. And kudos to her for fleshing out a otherwise oversexed black widow 
kind of nobody character. So I'll give it a good. And that's our review on Black Widow starring Scarlett Johansson available now on Disney Plus. Don't you say that in every movie that Jeremy Renner's in, he just kind of randomly just shows up because nobody else is going to show up? Except for this movie. I 100% expected to see him. Keep your eye on Florence Pugh, who apparently has a future in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I liked her, Elena. Nice and she was dry and sarcastic and very sisterly. And I like little sisters, so... Good job, Florence Pugh. I'm okay with little sisters, I guess. 818-835-0473 or whatevermovies at gmail.com. Follow us at or whatever movies. Subscribe to our podcast, please. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement. Inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electricast production. Electricast. Electricast.